This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans, welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Yeah, we had the uh, fall camp, USC fall camp practice number four early this morning, 6 a.m. Uh, we were all down there on USC's campus. We're going to talk about that and what's been going on with camp starting off and uh, USC getting ready for the highly anticipated 2023 college football season. We are simulcasting live on our YouTube channel and uh, alongside of me, I got Connor Morissette and RJ Abadia, they're here in studio with me to talk about all those things. If you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms, thanks for doing that. So you can't see us, probably don't want to see us anyway, but that's okay. But we're going to have a lot of fun on the YouTube channel. If you're live on YouTube, thank you so much. You can put questions in the uh, chat box. We'll be able to put them up on the screen throughout the show or any kind of comments. You have something funny while I'm hosting, I will try to look at the comments and Put them up there on the screen for all to see. And if you uh, have questions for the regular show, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call us or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, we really appreciate leaving us a five-star review and, of course, following the Parastyle Podcast. That helps to grow the show and pushes it out there uh, to the masses. So thank you for doing that, and hopefully you guys can keep reviewing the show and liking it and all that kind of stuff. If you're on our YouTube channel... Like it, subscribe. It's always great. We love to say smash the like button. Uh, that's always fun. Just, just like, like, like. Tell your friends about it. We love to grow the show. We love talking USC Trojan football. And now we're almost here, fellas. We're almost here. We got fall camp starting. We're interviewing players and coaches after practice. I know, RJ, but this is this, it's like back in the old times. We're ready now. It's definitely first day, first week of school vibes. I think on both sides of the fence. I think as as you just demonstrated, we're we're kind of excited to <laughs> have the opportunity to do real interviews and a little bit more substantive stuff. Um, and I think that's definitely if there's one thing that stands out from training camp so far is is the vibe. I know mean, we're we're down by the beach, and I know that's kind of a vibe. It's kind of a beachy type term, but I do think. There is a feeling that's different about this USC team and something we've been got we've gotten from both the players and the coaches to start training camp. For sure. What about you, Connor? This is uh, your first fall camp covering USC. Yeah, so I can't really speak to a different vibe, but just overall at that media day last week, the USC football media day, the coaches just overwhelmingly talked about the depth of the roster, the the depth compared to a year ago, how this year this coaching staff knows they can rely on way more players than they could a season ago. So I think that's one of the biggest 
things with this group. And then I'm also really interested in the transfers, the guys who are coming in and planning to only be here for one year. How much can you get from a one-year transfer in a season with so many expectations, a guy who's only going to be on campus from maybe December to the following December, a whole calendar year, how much can you, how much juice can you get out of squeezing that orange, a guy for one year? I think that's really interesting too. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff, a lot of interesting storylines. And uh, we, like I said, there've been four USC practices that we know of. Uh, two of them, we were able to at least partially attend and then do interviews and stuff afterwards. We're going to talk about that. Some of the news and notes that happened, especially this morning. To, this morning, we got to talk to defensive players, and coaches and Lincoln Riley as well. So we'll get all that. We have tons of video up on our YouTube channel. A lot of stories going up at uscfootball.com. So you can catch up on everything that's going on. Instant analysis. Uh, Chris and Connor did a nice job of that. We got Lincoln Riley's video up there. Uh, ghost notes from Chris and uh, Connor helping out with that too. So lots of good notes uh, from practice. You're going to feel like you're there if you read Chris's ghost notes. You got to be a VIP subscriber for that. 75% off. We got a flash sale going on. So I think it ends tomorrow. So if you want to get 75% off an annual membership, if you're not a member already, perfect time to get out there. Go over to uscfootball.com. You can't miss it. Sign up for an annual subscription, 75% off. So it's super cheap. You're going to get a whole year of great content from uscfootball.com. So make sure you go check it out. But the ghost notes right away, you want to check that out. Of course, the Peristyle, the uh, premium message board over there is amazing. So uh, go over to uh, take a, advantage of the flash sale. That's awesome. Also, you want to take advantage of Trader Joe's. It's been our sponsor for a long time. Hopefully, you can go over there and check it out. I go there about once a week, fill up the cupboards, fill up the fridge, see what's going on. Uh, I just like going over to TraderJoe's.com and seeing like what's up, uh, what's up next, any kind of recipes, uh, things like that. I've, uh, I've caught a bunch of fish lately, so I've actually gone through the Trader Joe's, uh, like the spice area, got some different spices. Try it, you know. Doing different things uh, with the fish and trying different spices that I get from traders. They got some really interesting ones over there. And I always pair it with, uh, I like getting a Pinot Noir, try different bottles. Eight, nine bucks for a, a nice bottle of wine. I love doing that. So you got you guys are Trader Joe's fans, right? Like you. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I really like their uh, peanut butter filled pretzels. I went in over uh, to pick up one of those the other day. I tried to get it from a different grocery store and they just didn't taste the same. So no. shout out Trader Joe's. Yeah. I mean, how can you not be after that enthusiastic <laughs> display we just got? I, can we? I think the next tunnel vision needs to be from Trader Joe's. Can we do that? Can we? Can we swing that maybe one time, like a little on-site Trader Joe? We did. You know, it's funny with uh, Clay Helton when they first opened Trader Joe's at uh, the USC Village when that first opened up. Yeah. We had the president of Trader Joe's, John uh, Bastlone, come over, <laughs> and uh, it was great. We did a, a live show from. Outside of Trader Joe's, and Clay Hilton was a guest. I think we had Gavin Morris. We had a bunch of people on. So yeah, we got to do something like that again. So they've been uh, they've been great to us. All right, we got a lot of stuff we want to get to. Maybe let's start off. Uh, we're going to get into the fall camp stuff, but man, there's been some crazy breaking news in the Pac-12. <laughs> I know a lot of USC fans. There's no love lost there, but if you're if you're not a Pac-12 fan, you're probably uh, pretty happy right now. There's uh, you know yesterday. George Klyovkov met with uh, the presidents and chancellors of the remaining nine schools and presented what the reports were, a deal that was the main deal, mainly streaming through Apple. You'd have to buy a separate subscription to get Pac-12 content. And then doesn't look like the money would be that great for the Pac-12, but there's incentives that you could actually done well if you sold a whole bunch of subscriptions. So I don't know. It doesn't seem that was where a lot of the president, I know that Robin Roberts, the president of Arizona, was not big on more than 50% streaming, and that's what looked like this deal was. 
nothing decided. They're going to have another meeting yet, but um, yeah, everyone's waiting for Arizona. They had their uh, trustees who it's actually Northern Arizona, Arizona State and Arizona. They're all the same board. So they met. Um, well, they go to the Big 12, Arizona itself, the Arizona State schools. And now the latest reports, I think Dan Wetzel was first out of Yahoo and a bunch of people confirmed it, that uh, the Big 10 is looking to expand. There's some reports about Clemson and Florida State. They're locked into that long grant of rights with uh, the ACC. But Oregon, Washington, and then potentially Cal, Stanford, uh, as teams, could, the, the Big 10 could go to 20, uh, which is kind of crazy. Um, but man, this is there's a lot of stuff going on with conference realignment. We're going to do a podcast of champions live today. If you're watching live now at two uh, 30. So in a couple hours, I'll be going live again, uh, talking about that, but uh, get your thoughts. Maybe we can start with you, Connor on, uh, what's going on conference realignment and all that. Sure. I just don't know how the PAC 12 survives. And that's a stark contrast to what we were saying at PAC 12 media day, Ryan, when commissioner Klyovkov went on stage and said, every AD is bought in everyone is going to be patient. He said, the longer we wait, the better our deal gets. And then a couple of weeks go by, Colorado leaves. And then he meets with the remaining ADs and presidents and presents them with a deal like Ryan talked about that is primarily with Apple and relies on streaming numbers. And if you're a administrator at one of the remaining Pac-12 schools, how the heck do you plan a budget when you don't know what the revenue that you're going to make from your TV deal is if it relies on hitting certain benchmarks of streaming. So I think now you see Arizona and potentially Arizona State talk to the Big 12. Arizona and Utah certainly are. You hear today the Big 10 saying we're focused on uh, getting in USC and UCLA, but we have to keep up to date with what's happening. And now there are links to Oregon and Washington. So I just don't know unless something crazy happens at the last second and ESPN changes course and says, okay, we – We'll partner with Apple and we'll give you more money for linear TV rights for football in the future. I don't know how the Pac-12 survives. And people have been saying this for a while, but to me now, it's it's imminent. It's coming maybe within days. It could happen tomorrow where the league crumbles because of what's happened in the past few days. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think I'm alone in that in that sentiment in terms of I think in the in the abstract, none of this is a shock. I think we've been talking about the demise of the Pac-12 and not just snarkily, just realistically. Like it just, I don't think it, you required exceptional tunnel vision, so to speak, to see this coming down the road. But that's not the same. Yeah. You like that? (laughs) That's not, that's not the same as watching it unfold in real time. Like we didn't know how it was going to look or how it was going to feel. And it is, it's very strange and it's very, um, Sad, I think, even for USC fans and and UCLA fans who kind of have had it with the Pac-12 and the way that it's gone about its business. I think for everybody, a a chapter is closing kind of kind of permanently and not gloriously. You know, this just isn't this isn't good. This isn't pretty. Um, And and I think the one thing I think I would say on this is that the, the general conception or perception of all of this is the idea that. These commissioners are these super agents who make deals or fail to make deals or do this. And that's not what's happening with the Pac-12. I think, first of all, yes, Larry Scott was a disastrous hire. I don't think anyone has an argument about that. But it's not like Larry Scott was a rogue agent 
defying the will of the 12 Pac-12 CEOs and going against what they wanted and doing things that they didn't want to have happen. His behavior and, and his failures and the now current failure to get a new deal are a reflection of the will of the Pac-12 CEOs. For whatever reason, whether it was unwillingness or an inability or a combination of both, which is what I think it is, they chose long ago not to keep pace with football. They chose long ago not to prioritize football and, and men's basketball, the revenue sports, at a level that was competitive. And you don't get to just do that forever and not pay the price. And that's essentially where we are. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, it's funny. I know there's a lot of USC fans who are just like, let the Pac-12, you know, sink and all that. Talked to Yogi Roth today. He was at practice and, uh, you know, obviously big advocate for the Pac-12, kind of the voice of the Pac-12 on the Pac-12 network and all of that and the face of the Pac-12. And uh, it's just a bummer. And I, I know he's still optimistic that something can work out, but this is happening, you know, minute by minute. And we're just, you know, kind of wait and see. And I, I tell USC fans, like, USC still has to exist on the West Coast. They're not moving to the Midwest. So you would like West Coast football to still be good. And maybe this is the way if there's a, a you know, a West Coast pod with Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, um, you know, see what happens there. And then, the you know, the four quarter schools end up in the big, big 12 and it's sort of like changes the landscape. But you, you know, you got rid of the only like West Coast representation you had in college football. It's a very regional sport already. So it's uh, it's still a little sad. I think for USC, it's the, the right move. Uh, obviously, you got to, you know, the Pac-12 wasn't doing USC a lot of favors. You got to do what's best for you. They're going to be financially secure for a long time. So this is a kind of crazy times in college football. So kind of stay up with what's going on. Uh, Dave and I will talk about it at 2.30 on our show on the Podcast of Champions, like I said. Um, we got to talk a little USC fall camp, though. Uh, I'm going to start playing this clip. So Connor and I are down there watching uh, the early. So we watched the first couple of portions of practice. They were on Dado Field. And they're early in the morning, the last couple, the, you know, the first one that we got to see on Friday, this morning on Wednesday, Thursday morning will also be uh, 6 a.m. And they're at Dado Field for, you know, until further notice. So we get to go into the stands of Dado Field. It's a little different venue, uh, vantage point, and you can watch some of the offensive line that we normally get, don't get to see. They go back over to Howard Jones Field, and uh, they're on that kind of turf in the corner there, which is really far away from where we normally are sitting. So it's kind of cool to see that. But we're watching, uh, and early on, the players are kind of going through their warm-up, stretching, and all of that. And some of the skilled players are catching kicks and punts. And I've just, I started filming them, and uh, Connor's like, did you see that? And Zachariah Branch gets, I'll, I'll put it up there on the screen for you guys if you're watching on uh, on YouTube. Um, oh, I think I, I missed it here. Let me, uh, I'll, uh, I'll edit this. But um, Zachariah Branch uh, ends up catching a kickoff uh one-handed and it was really impressive so let me let me ch uh, change that again so. yeah and, and ryan i'm not sure that's what the coaching staff or fans would want a one-handed kickoff grab but in practice with no defense coming to tackle you no special teams players coming to track you down it was the highlight of, of practice that that we saw and again we're only allowed to watch for about 10 to 15 minutes so a lot of that is warm-ups you can't see too much going on but they do practice punt returns and kick returns at the beginning of practice and Zach Branch kind of reeling back making a one-handed catch off a kickoff that's not a spiral the ball's going all over the place 
that really caught my attention. And I'm glad you edited out the sound I think you did, because I, like you said, I was saying, <laughs> Ryan, you see that? That was crazy. <laughs> so that was definitely the highlight of today. And we have some other highlights we can talk about that maybe we didn't see. Some players relayed some other highlights to us. Um, but the one that we saw was certainly Zach Branch. I don't know. RJ, did you get a chance to see that? Um, well, I have now. And <laughs> I think... I think to me, the most compelling part about that is really simple. I think last year it was no secret USC's defense was not great, but USC special teams was also not great. And that's putting it extremely politely. And one of the specific areas that Lincoln Riley wanted more out of was the kick return game. And so to see Zach Branch out there, in my mind, suggests a couple of things. I think number one, maybe they're not as settled back there and they're still looking for an answer, but I think... To me, Zach Branch, even now, even this early in his career, seems like a great place to start in terms of when you're looking for playmaking. I think he is unquestionably going to be in the mix at receiver this fall. I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And I hadn't even thought about it now until you guys have shown the clip and talked about it. But if he can be a factor in the return game, it's just something else. It's just another place where USC can get better. And I think, you know, we harp on everything that's not right and everything that needs improving. But we need to remember that this, the starting point is an 11-3 record. So when you are able to start crossing some of these T's and dotting some of these I's and, and gaining, moving the needle in some of these other areas, there are some really exciting possibilities that start to materialize. For sure. And uh, it's cool to see. That's one thing we get to watch. So they'll do kickoff returns and they'll do like punt returns and they roll a big uh, exercise ball at him. So you, could, you saw uh, Zachariah Branch do that in the video too. And then, uh, so we'll have uh, full highlights of what we were able to see going up on uscfootball.com. But I wanted to show you guys that clip. I try to get the, then today after practice, defensive players were available. So we got to talk to a bunch of defensive guys, a couple of defensive coaches, uh, Brian Odom, Dante Williams. But I would try to ask like the DBs, especially like who stands out as far as the wide receivers go. And I don't know if they just got together and said, if anyone asks about the receivers, just say everybody's good because that's the only answer I get. Uh, even like Zion Branch today, he specifically talked about his brother because he was asked about it. But when you try to, I tried to get Christian Roland Wallace, he's like, I can go through the list and talk about everybody. Um, but they don't seem to be singling anybody out. But someone that was singled out today, and I'll put a picture up for, I know, Connor, you, you got to hear about this. Uh, Jacoby Lane, which, you know, you hear about Deuce Robinson. We just talked about Zach Branch. Jacoby Lane, the six foot four dude, you know, athletic and like rebound and just go up and catch passes. Like we don't talk about him a whole lot, but apparently defensive players were. But what do you, what what did you hear about uh, Jacoby Lane, Connor? Yeah, so I asked Mason Cobb today, the linebacker, who impressed you the most on the offense, or if that's too general, who made the play of the day on offense? And he said, uh, let me think. Jacoby Lane had a great catch, and I think we talked about this in instant analysis. He's a guy who I'm guilty of this. You, you kind of. I don't want to say forget about, but he is the lowest rated freshman receiver of this really talented class with Zach Branch, Makai Lemon, Deuce Robinson all in front of him in the recruiting rankings. But recruiting rankings don't really matter now that you're at USC. It's all about what you do on the field. And people on the peristyle have written about Jacoby Lane and said, hey, don't forget about this guy. Remember, he is a really, really good athlete. and He can make tremendous catches. So the fact that he's making a statement early in camp, I think, is huge. The receiver room is the best room on the team. So the fact that this guy can come in as a freshman and he's the most unheralded out of the whole group to be a USC receiver. You, of course, have to be heralded, but he, he's not ranked as high as some of these other guys, and he's the one coming out and, and getting people's attention. I think that's really significant, and we'll see what happens. It's really tough to get on the field in this room, but Jacoby Lane, he's off to a good start. 
Yeah. Yeah, any any thoughts, RJ? Or well, I just you know as as I think we reported in the war room a, a couple of weeks back, he's one of a, a group of younger receivers who have kind of fallen under the tutelage of Miller Moss, doing some extra film work and and kind of getting themselves getting up to speed with this offense. And I think that you know yes, the wide receiver room is an embarrassment of riches, but when you talk about the depth chart going in clusters of four, right? It's relevant to have as many people as you can who you trust, you know, and it sounds like that Jacoby Lane is on his way to building up that trust. I mean, I don't think there's much of a chance that he cracks, you know, that opening four or maybe even the second four to start. But one thing Lincoln Riley showed last year is that if you're ready week one, you play. If you're ready week six, you play week six. So, you know, it's not a thing where there's this timetable. And I think that, you don't know how a season's going to go, as we saw last year with with injuries to that room. And so, any new names, it's not it's not icing on the cake. It could turn out to be necessary. And so, any new names that you hear flourishing is good news for USC at this point. Well, today was a defensive day, and I know so we put in our requests for players uh, early in the week. Uh, last week uh, was it? It was Thursday. There was a USC media day. A lot of players were available, dozens of them. One that wasn't was Corey Foreman. And then we put in a request for him today. Uh, also wasn't available today. So I'm curious. But, uh, Connor, you got to ask Lincoln Riley about Corey, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a lot of talk around him. Sounds like there's uh, some positivity, though, going you know Corey's way. Yeah, and shout out to RJ, who talked to Coach Sean Nua at USC Media Day about Corey, which is how the question that I asked today kind of hatched. He's, you were asking him about Corey, and Coach Nua, RJ, said – he used to only like football, and now he's starting to love football. So I asked Coach Riley about what that meant to him, a player loving football, and he just talked about everything. It's the approach. It's how you practice. It's the way you practice as well, and it just it, it's a total thing. It's not just one thing here, there. It's not effort. It's not showing up on time. It, it's it's a, a total of, of what you do in practice. So I thought that was interesting, and then sort of I, I didn't ask this, but Coach Riley went on to talk about how he thought Corey Foreman's really stacked four good practices on top of one another. And in the past, maybe that wasn't necessarily happening. He's improving, he's getting better, and he has a chance to play. I'm taking that with a little bit of a grain of salt because he didn't get a ton of run last year. And they've totally upgraded the position group on the defensive line where, where he's going to be fighting on the defensive end spot for playing time. So I'll believe it when I see it. And what else would Lincoln, would Lincoln Riley say? He's not going to go out of his way to, to say something negative about a player. But I, I thought that was encouraging. It's time, though, for Corey Foreman to show it on the field. And I think we can all agree on that. So the fact that the coaches say he's practicing well, I think that's certainly encouraging. Um, would I bet on him to be the guy to ha have this huge breakout year? I think I still need to see some more. But it is encouraging what's happening so far in fall camp. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's two, two things to kind of just add on to that. Number one, I think... It's always going to be tough when the thing a guy lacks is consistency because if he stacks four straight days and takes the fifth off, has he grown? Is that, you know what I mean? It's hard for us to know without seeing every rep every day. That's kind of the evaluation that they're doing. So I think you're kind of right to say, okay, but we need to see, you know, it needs to become nine days. It needs to become a thing where it's not noteworthy. Right. That it's not something that's conspicuous that he's he's putting all these together. But you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. And then and then today he 
went into a group drill with a bunch of defensive linemen. He was kind of late. He was one of the last ones to get there. That may be injury related. That may be something. I, I don't know. I don't know why he, he wasn't there immediately. So I'm not knocking him for that at all. But he gets into the group drill and then immediately Coach Dua says, you need to do that again. I didn't like that rep. So I, I think they're they're calling him on uh, what they want to see him improve on. And, and it's uh, he, he's answering to that, which is encouraging. But I still think he has a little bit of a ways to go. Yeah. Oh, good. RJ, do you have something else or you got? Um, no, I think the other thing I was just going to say is that, I mean, I, I have, we have heard that he is making himself a presence in practices that, you know, yes, the bulk of his reps right now are against the twos, but he's making himself a problem out there when he's out on the field and it, and it's been noticeable certainly. So, um, I think again, that like, like you said, we, we talked about it last week, the, the, the phrase was cautious optimism. And I think that's probably still where we are a week later. Yeah. Um, and we had a couple of comments. People are like joining the show uh, later on our live stream over at YouTube. So please like and subscribe. Smash that like button, as we like to say. Uh, we started at 1230. So we sort of put this together last minute. The, right now, fall camp schedule, it's actually been changing every day. We get new updates and stuff. But we just wanted to kind of get a time where we could talk about uh, camp uh, for a little bit. Uh, they're going to practice on Thursday and Friday. We'll get offensive players on Thursday. We'll get um, just Lincoln Riley on Friday. But we, w- I thought this was a good time, the opportunity to come in and speak. We'll get on a regular podcasting schedule uh, going forward. But I thought this would be a good chance to uh, get everyone's thoughts. You know, for RJ and Connor and myself, let you guys know what's going on there. So sorry if it was uh, posted a little bit late, but I tried to tweet it out, put it over on the Peristyle at uscfootball.com. Like I said, if you're not a member, go sign up, seventy five percent off. Best deal around there. You get the best coverage. You know, added, we already had the best team in the business. Now we added Connor to the team, so uh, <laughs> it's good. So it made it a little worse. No, I'm just kidding. No, Connor's great. <laughs> a lot of positive feedback. We actually spoke at uh, the Trojan Coaches at the Trojan Coaches Club. That's what they call it. Um, uh, on Saturday afternoon, and Connor came down with me, and we answered a bunch of questions from USC fans uh, down in Torrance. It was a Crest Bar and Grill. It was a, it was a lot of fun. So uh, Connor's first sort of. He's done a couple of these shows and and instant analysis videos, but that was like your first like be out in public. Uh, so hopefully you had a good time with that one. Connor. Yeah, people were so nice. Uh, shout out MD3 and George who put that event on. Uh, yeah, thank you. And all, all the people who came up and approached me were very complimentary. So uh, I, I love going out there. And uh, so far, USC Nation has been really, really nice to me. So thank you. We'll see uh, if, you know, if I write a column or something that might hurt some feelings down the line if people still feel that way. But the thing with me, you can always approach me on Twitter or email, whatever, and I'll explain what I was thinking and try to get back to you. So that's always what I'm going to try to do. Yeah. And we got some uh, people are not liking your hat, RJ, the blue hat or whatever. Not so liking it? We have that's, a lot of like hate for hats. Like That's c- tragic. Shotgun wears a tie and his hat backwards. That's just his thing. He goes to games like that and the people don't like it. They want you to wear <laughs> USC stuff. Just like, so everyone knows. We cover the team. We're in the media. We're not cheering for you. Like, we can't do that. You want us to cover the team well. We are not fans of the team. We have to give you an objective viewpoint. So we're not wearing Trojan gear up here. So sorry if that's what you want, but that's not what we do. But we want to be credentialed media, go to practice, go to games and all that kind of stuff. Cover recruiting. Can't cover recruiting and be, you know, representing USC. That's a complete NCAA violation and all that. So sorry, he can't wear a USC hat. If you don't like the what, what hat is it? Also, this is a nice hat. It's very it's very regional, very specialized. It's a South Bay Breeze hat. Oh yeah, come on! That, like, we're, we're, we're in Redondo Beach yeah, right now. Yeah, this we're representing. This is like you know custom made. Like, come on, give me a little. I mean, I get it. I guess maybe it's showing up potentially as powder blue. I understand that's kind of it. <laughs> 
hair trigger <laughs> thing, but that's not the deal here. The, the, it's orange. There's no, there's not a bear in sight. Yeah, here in this room, at least until Woods gets here. But just but. a little reminder: like you can't wear a USC hat because we're covering the team, part of the media. It just doesn't work that way. So, but thank you for the concern. Uh, concern about the team? I got to ask Lincoln Riley today. I meant to ask him on Friday. I forgot, but uh, the overall health. Because it seemed like, for the most part, going into fall camp, they're relatively healthy. Sometimes, like the week before fall camp, summer workouts, there's like this player has an ACL and he's out for the season. There wasn't really any of that. One of the notable names um, that wasn't around is uh, Romello Height. I'll put a picture of him up there. Um, that was He's been bagged up a little bit. But um, Lincoln Riley talked about the injury situation. I don't know, Connor, if you want to start and RJ, get your thoughts on uh, – where USC is injury-wise. Sure. He talked a lot of just about little nicks that guys had. So Rajon Davis hurt his hand, I think, in the second practice, first or second one, and he's expected to come back the second half of fall camp. And Romello Height, we don't exactly know what his injury was. Of course, he hurt his shoulder a year ago and was out for most of the season, so it could be related to that, not sure. And Lincoln Riley described him as having a nick also and being out for a little bit. The two other guys he mentioned were Bear Alexander and Traquan Fagans, and they were present at practice today. The two guys, uh, Rajon Davis and Romello Height, were not, but Alexander and Fagans were. They participated in the warm-up and the non-contact drills, so they're on the mend, but Lincoln Riley signaled those two players as, I, I don't think they're participating fully in the contact periods, and they seem really close. I think Barry Alexander, like I said, he, he was violently hitting the sled during uh, incident analysis. I, I was talking about that, and, and Traquan Fagans is out there too. Coach Riley talks about how excited the staff is to see those guys fully healthy. It seems like they're any day now, whereas Rajon Davis and Romello Height are probably a little further away, and then outside of that, for the most part, the team is healthy um, outside of those guys, which is very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's funny because I think I was a little more. I took a little more optimism from what he said about Romello Height. It's he he really seemed to yeah. downplay that one, um, and with the expectation that he should be back sooner rather than later. I think it'll be interesting to monitor right as we get closer to full pads and as we get deeper into camp. You know, one of the things that USC has been talking to us about is depth and how they have it now. And they've got rotation guys and they, it's not a bunch of guys who have to take all the reps, right? And so obviously the only thing that compromises that is injury misfortune, right? So at the moment, if you look at the most crucial position groups on the team, I think offensive line, quarterback, obviously, defensive line, it seems like they're pretty healthy in all the places you'd most want to be healthy at this point. Yeah. No, I'd agree. Uh, it's, a good, it's good that the overall health of the team is positive. Injuries happen in football. Um, you know, you just rather them not happen. And uh, so far, they've been good with it. You know, just got little little dings or whatever, little soft tissue things and uh, missing a little bit of time. Um, there's a really deep, it's funny, uh, we mentioned Yogi Rothby in there. And he asked about the Russian spot. And I'm like, just what? I mean, you look at the drills, like it's pretty deep. Now, you know, if Romello Heights not in there and, uh, you know, it, but just seeing the guys that they have is like wow, um, it's a pretty impressive uh, group there. The depth across the board is group uh, is good, so you can withstand a little more inju uh, injuries a, a little bit more than I think you could last year. But there's going to be some spots that are thinner than others. Yeah, and I'm just fascinated on the defensive line. We see Anthony Lucas 
repping with the Russians during the warm-up period in practice, and he told us at media day he's switching between Russia end and defensive end. The whole talk this offseason with USC, it's been how can we get the best 11 players on the field? And I think that's really interesting to think about. Maybe for some plays it's Anthony Lucas at rush end, and then if Jamil Muhammad wants to come in, then Lucas either bumps the defensive end or he takes a breather for a play and Solo or Corey Foreman comes in. The depth on that defensive line, I think, is really interesting. And I think I've been guilty of making this mistake, and I don't think fans should should be guilty of it too. Don't peg or don't put guys in at the position that, that it says on the roster. I think you're going to see a lot of moving parts. Jack Sullivan, he's listed as a defensive lineman. He could play some defensive end. We see Anthony Lucas, like I said, listed as a defensive lineman. He could be at rush end. I think we're going to see a lot of tinkering and moving pieces around to get that best defensive front possible uh, for every game. And I think that's something that's really fascinating and is going to be really interesting uh, during fall camp just to see how that all plays out. Guys are going to play different spots than where they're listed on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's actually an interesting sort of litmus test relative to last year, because last year you had a guy like um, Thule playing multiple spots in multiple places, but even Sean Newell was kind of candid about the fact that you would see Thule in spots where they felt they just weren't good enough as opposed to we're going to put Thule in spots where he's the absolute best and we have the absolute best combination of guys at the other spot. It became this situation where you're trying to fight against a deficiency, right? And this season, I think what we're seeing is Anthony Lucas moving around not because they don't feel good about this spot or that spot. They're moving him around to see – Where is he going to do the most damage? What is the best combination, like you just said? What works with him at end and who at defensive end? Him at defensive end and who at rush? Where's the needle really moving? And it's 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 all this, it's it's cross-training, I guess, from a position of strength. If the plan is 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 working, right? Like that we'll (laughs) we'll see when the game starts. Yeah, I mean you have to see results to know this. But this from the indication that I'm getting so far is that. This is all happening in order from a position of strength, as opposed to last year. I think a lot of the moving around was, well, we've got a real problem over here. We need to get somebody in there who's good, even if it's not the best spot for him individually. And I think everything you said applies to the secondary, too. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of uh, moving around, I got to talk with uh, Christian Roland Wallace. It was like a six-minute interview, and I, I started with him by myself. It's up on YouTube now, but... None of the answers were more than like, I don't know, 10 seconds or so. So there was a lot of questions sort of thrown his way. Um, I'll put a picture up on the screen. Uh, you, if you looked at him and go, what position does he play? Like, you would not say cornerback. Uh, just you look at his arms and you're like, holy cow, like that guy's a linebacker or something. Um, just absolutely jacked. Uh, he's, uh, you know, you know, a lot of experience playing at Arizona. A lot of cornerback experience. And a lot of the talk today was about him moving around, uh, playing the nickel spot. And uh, it'll be interesting to see sort of where uh, the coaches use him and how much. Uh, He wasn't really available much in the spring, so this is the first kind of chance you get to see more of him in practice. Uh, And he's just just someone that looks like, you know, those three Arizona guys, I think all of them are going to come in and be fairly big contributors. And uh, he felt pretty comfortable. He's like, yeah, it's nice having a couple of those guys that came over with me, but – he, he didn't want to talk about like how he got here or why he's here. He's like, I'm here now. He's like, I'm here to do a job. And uh, it looks like the nickel, but he's, you know, Lincoln Riley, I, I think Dante Williams, you know, talked about him playing safety, obviously playing corner. 
Um, and, you know, in that nickel spot. And like you, you guys mentioned, get the best 11 on the field. They definitely want to get the best five in the defensive backfield. And it, my guess is Christian Roland Wallace is going to be one of them. But I get your thoughts. Uh, start with you, Connor. Sure. We talked to Coach Riley today about that position and he shouted out or the corner position and he shouted out Sierra Wright without being asked about him. So that makes me think Sierra Wright out of all the corners has a great chance to be one of those starters. Um, I agree with you, Ryan. I just think with Christian Roland Wallace, that size really lends to him playing nickel if they are set on that other corner spot being rotated on between Damani Jackson and Jacoby Covington. You want to get the best five like we talked about. I think Christian Roland Wallace, I've said this on previous podcasts, when he was recruited, he had a wink-wink, nod-nod deal that I'm going to play. I'm not coming here to to compete. I'm coming here to, to play. Oh, of course he's coming here to compete. But I'm coming here with the understanding that I'm going to get on the field. I have one more year of college left. I'm going to the NFL after this. I'm not coming here to, you know, I, I'm going to get on the field. So I, I think for him – the nickel spot makes the most sense because we saw some transfers uh, at that position and it's just battling with Jalen Smith, really. A couple other guys might be in the mix, but really it's those two players. So that's how I see it, RJ. I don't know if you see it similarly, but uh, to me, that just makes the most sense playing him there. Well, I, I think that the the big thing to add is kind of what we were, we were just talking about with, with the cross training. The fact that Christian Roland Wallace is getting time at Nickelback is not a reflection on the way Jalen Smith has been playing. We'd heard prior today that actually, if you look through PRPs, there were people who felt like he might have been the second best defensive back, period, during that session during the summer. And we got a little bit of confirmation about that from Bryson Shaw today, who, as you said, unsolicited, singled out Jalen Smith for the level and the way that he's playing. So I think there's a lot of good intrigue there. I think that the fact that, again, Christian Waller Wallace putting it nickelback, I think they're going to, they're trying to find a place for both him and Jalen Smith and the whole group. And and the one thing I would put forward is I think there's a very realistic scenario where the five, as we've talked about on defensive, on the defensive backfield, where that evolves over the course of the season. And it turns out to be a really good thing. In other words, USC maybe gets decent play out of the secondary in that first month or second month, but there might be room for them to get better. And the the two names that I'm thinking about when I say that the most, I would say, you definitely have to say Jalen Smith, but I would say Damani Jackson, who also got shouts today and has gotten some pretty good credit, got credit from Lincoln Riley today, Um, and then Zion Branch, because... You know, as it stands right now, I don't think you'd slot either one of those into a starting spot. But I also think that based on their talent and ability, that if they grow at the pace that they're growing so far, based on what we've been told, I think it's going to be hard to keep them off the field as the season progresses, which would be a fantastic development for yeah. USC. And you mentioned yeah. playing in week one versus playing in week six. If you're ready to go week six, you'll play week six. Coming off of a season-long injury like Zion Branch was, and now finally being healthy, to me, he's a prime candidate for a guy who might not be ready for a huge role that first week because he's had to rehab for so long. He hasn't had that many reps fully healthy. And then as the year goes on, I, I think we would both agree that Kalen Bullock and, and Zion Branch you could maybe argue some freshmen too, but I think you're the highest ceiling for that safety room is the two of those guys for the long term. And I'm really excited about him. We had a chance to catch up with him. The, the yeah. defensive backs today, they're so good about <laughs> not really giving you too much. They, where do you want to play? You know, what's your best position? Are you repping with the ones? You know, I'm doing whatever the coaches ask, I, wherever they say I'll play. But I think just looking at this, 
in the long term sense. Kalen Bullock's going to be there, assuming he's healthy. He, he's a, he's the first guy listed on the defensive side of the ball, and then his partner right now, Shaw, Max Williams, they're they're in the mix. But in the long term, I look at Zion Branch as a guy who I think has as good a shot as anyone to be that second safety. Yeah, he's an impressive looking uh, prospect for sure. And we like like Connor said, we got to talk to him uh, today a little bit. He just seems really excited to be out there. You know, it's just one of those things where you don't get to play. You don't get to practice, you're out, and now you're back and uh, able to uh, kind of show what he can do. He, he mentioned multiple times the veteran safeties that he's been learning from and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think he could play a big part in the secondary, and you're probably going to see a bunch of rotating and stuff too. It's deep. I think Dante Williams talks about not being very deep for whatever reason, but, like, you look at every spot, and there's, like, a lot of dudes that could play. You know, four dudes, you know, you trust four of the corners that could all be starters. Like, yeah, I think same thing with safeties and moving guys around. You know, like Jalen Smith, like RJ said, could have been one of the best, you know, has been one of the best players in camp so far and, you know, might not start. So, yeah, it's uh, I a lot of additions for the defensive front and, you know, for the linebackers and the uh, – in the defensive line, not as much in the secondary, but they they brought a lot of guys back, and there's a lot of good production there. So I think there's a lot of optimism for the secondary. We got to hear from a lot of those guys today, including Dante Williams. Yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism there too, and it's deserved. At media day, William Dante Williams talked about how if four or five corners are practicing really well, they're all going to play. That's another example, RJ, of I'll believe it when I see it. If you're going to rotate those guys in a big Pac-12 game, I imagine there will be some rotating, but I don't think we'll see five different corners if you're playing against Washington. I think that's encouraging, though, the fact that even though Dante Williams, like Ryan, you mentioned he's hinted at a lack of depth, the fact that he is potentially comfortable with that many players practicing well and getting on the field is encouraging. And that just goes back to what we've been talking about this whole podcast and when I let off the show with the depth of the defense is so much better than what it was a year ago, and that's going to be huge. Yeah. RJ, anything else from uh, practice today? You want Any thoughts? People you talk I mean, to or anything? As far as today, no, I think I, just to further hammer home the depth one last time, we'll just maybe consider this the extra point. I do think we have to mention Christian Pierce. Oh, yeah. He was um, asked about his name brought His name came up, and it's funny because I think Connor was talking about how it's not always the recruit rankings. and. Yeah. They matter. They absolutely matter. We're, we're 247 sports, so we are not going <laughs> to knock recruiting rankings. But I think there is a bias right, that gets created that isn't necessarily the reality. And I think Zion Branch is everything that we think he is. I think he can be that. But the coaches and players are bringing up Christian Pierce's name for a reason, because in most cases, it's not a specific question. Like, it's unsolicited. And when when unsolicited names come up, I think you kind of have to pay attention. So, you know, just another name, another example of, of kind of just what we've been talking about with the depth piece. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else, Connor, from today you want to share and we can. Uh... Sure. Yeah. Just catching up right. with Mason Cobb for a little bit. My, my last thought, Ryan, we mentioned how we didn't want to get into the top 30 most important Trojan countdowns. I'm going to hijack the show for one second. I voted Mason Cobb as the third most important USC player heading into this season. And I just continue to get that vibe day in and day out. And I think when you look at value, it's if that person wasn't there, what would the rest of the unit or the defense look like? And I just think Mason Cobb being that day one first guy who Brian Odom counts on, starter, go in, your linebacker will figure out the rest. To me, if he isn't out on the field or he you know, he isn't able to play for whatever reason, then 
that linebacker group takes a pretty significant step back. So I just think so much is riding on Mason Cobb having a huge year. He's all excited about this season. He wants to be one and done and onto the NFL after this. He was second team all Big 12 a year ago, has a chance to have a really fantastic season at USC. I just think he's so important for the Trojans defense. Talking to him today, hammer that home a little bit. He's a leader. He's excited. I think he's going to be a captain. The importance of Mason Cobb, I think, is a massive storyline, too. Yeah. I think he 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 could have a, a massive year and a, be a huge part of this defensive turnaround. There's a lot of players I think they got to play better, and there's new guys that come in and got to contribute. But he's probably you know the the one you circle. If Mason Cobb comes in and does good things, like the defense is probably going to be in a much better spot than it was uh, last year. All right, uh, why don't we take a quick break? We'll do some questions and stuff, and uh, we'll get out of here. So back in a minute, everybody. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. RJ, not knowing how this works, hey, are we on break? <laughs> no, well, we've never taken one. We usually go, I mean, every time I've been on here, we just run it straight through. So I don't, I don't know. We're, so, so how we're ramping. Sa- we're trying to get into season shape. Is that what's happening yeah, here, Yeah, so basically? how the sausage is made is this is different than our Tunnel Vision show, where this is actually a podcast. We're just simulcasting on YouTube, even though we're, you know, we're paying attention to the cameras and all that. I'm... Hopefully, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see I'm putting up B-roll and different angles and things, different cameras, just so you have a better viewing experience. But it is a this is mainly a podcast, and for the podcast, we do have to take a break in the middle. So if you're watching live on YouTube, we just sit, sit here and stare at you for a second. <laughs> so it's not really a break break. Uh, and if you're listening on the podcast, you'll hear a commercial. So that's basically how that uh, how that works, how the sausage uh, is made. If you have questions in the chat, uh, if you're live on YouTube, I've starred a few of them and I'll, uh, I'll pull them up and uh, we'll get to them. We got some other questions as well. Uh, I want to get to, but Matt wants to know, um, just got here. Did I miss the beard talk? Uh, no. So Connor's got a, a really nice beard. I, so do you. I, I didn't realize. So Chris Trevino, basically he has a COVID beard. He just kind of started growing during COVID and never really, RJ, were you much of a beard guy ever or not really? Or? Never. Never? This, to the extent you can see anything right now is just pure sloth. Okay. In so fact, that's just. It'll, it'll probably be gone tomorrow. So, yeah. I'm mostly like a stubble guy and then just shave it every once in a while. I don't shave every day. I'll just shave, you know, when it gets like, ah, oh, it's kind of annoying. But I think last week on the podcast of Champions, I went, I came from a big fishing trip and I was gone a boat for two days. So you don't shave, obviously. And then uh, David, who has got, you know, David Woods, my. Uh, co-host on the podcast of champions has a glorious beard he's had one forever he kind of talked me into like growing it out so it gets a little itchy i got a lot of gray but i don't know so um that's that's where i think we got the beard right now that's what people wanted to know know, (laughs) more on this story as it develops (laughs) very important um we got a question uh, email from brett in knoxville uh he says questions for the uh for the show i was wondering what will special teams look like this upcoming season? They definitely struggled last year because of not having enough guys. I liked how they brought in the Arizona State guy from the portal. Like to hear your thoughts. Thanks and fight on from Brett. I know you talked about this a little bit, RJ, if you want to start. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, again, 
the depth thing comes into play in places where you don't normally think about it. And the fact that USC's got a lot of players who are doing really well and playing really well and might not have a chance to crack the two deep offensively and defensively, they can impact this team on special teams. You know, these are some of the guys who are going to be out there and it's, it's going to be a thing where you're going to have to be good to play special teams. You know, it's, there's no, it's a faceless entity. There's no CEO, there's no special teams coach. So like, you know, like I, I think I wrote before, like there's not one easy person to blame when things go sideways. It's kind of a clever way of circumventing that. But as far as the special teams goes, I think, you just have to have better guys that you're willing to use and able to use. I don't think necessarily think, yes, there are very good special teams coaches, but I also don't think that the difference between most of the good teams and the bad teams is, is a couple things. Number one, do you put the time into it enough time? And number two, are you willing to put top players out there? If you're willing to do those things, you're probably going to be good at special teams. I think the, I think both return games should be better this season. I think the one I'm most confident in that we talked about before, I think the kick return game will be better this season. I think when Lincoln Riley brings it up, it's being addressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not something that's not, that's gone unnoticed. And so I think they're going to be better there. I think you've got the first team all Pac-12 punter. You'd like to think that's going to help in addition to, like we're saying, being able to put better players out in coverage. And then really, I think – do we love or like USC special teams? It might actually just come down to what do they get out of Dennis Lynch? You know, he's, he certainly showed he can kick last season. Would we put him in amongst the top tier of kickers in the game? I don't think that's fair to say at this point. Certainly the, the miss in the Cotton Bowl, both mathematically and even just at the time of the, you know, I mean, it, it mattered. It made a difference, right? So he's got some things to prove and he's got some room for growth there. If he becomes a dependable asset for them, you know, it changes the special teams outlook significantly. Yeah. I'm concerned about the special teams. I don't know how big of a believer you are in pro football focus grades, but out of every division one team last year, USC had the worst special teams. That's not just power five. That's the whole division one group of schools. So they luckily for them, there's nowhere to go, but up. So it won't get worse. It can't. I'm concerned about it though, because I think this team, the the ceiling that it has is to be really good, get into the college football playoff and maybe even beyond. How can you lose those tight games against those awesome, awesome Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State-level teams. It's making a special teams mistake here or there. So this is one of those things. I don't exactly know how it will get much better. I think the punting, yeah, will will probably improve, and, and the return game, yeah. But I'm just nervous about what about the punt return defense and the kicking game I'm a little nervous about too. I think this team, it has the chance to be really, really special, but one – area where it could get derailed a special season ha- is special teams and this the staff knows that the players know it I- i'm not saying they're, they're not working on it of course they are but i do think that's an area of concern overall yeah all right thanks for that question uh this is from vm 8805 why did ray lake brown switch to wide receiver he did because that's what he was recruited for, he said. And he knew the whole time when he was being recruited out of modern day high school, the plan with Lincoln Riley was, and he didn't say this at the time, so maybe he's pulling my chain, but he said the whole time he was recruited, the plan was for him to play some running back, but eventually move over to receiver. So he was not surprised when they asked him to, to make that switch. This has been the plan all along. 
And I think we still will see him get some carries. It's not just yes. going to be an exclusive slot receiver spot for him. He still will be in the backfield. He's going to be like a Swiss army knife for USC. Um, but just to answer the question, that was what the coaching staff envisioned when they recruited him. It's not a new thing. It's not because they have too much running back depth. This was the plan all along. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to Pedro with Mike Bone out. Should USC really go to the Big Ten? <laughs> I feel like SC would be a 500 team due to cold weather in November, December. Uh, Bone wanted to go to the Big Ten, and I feel like Lincoln did not want that. Uh, I would disagree, Pedro, wholeheartedly. I don't know if you missed the beginning of the show, but holy cow. You want to be in the Pac-12? It's a, you know, it's a flaming turd right now. Like, there's nothing. I don't know what else you can say. Like, you needed to go make a move. This was the big power move. This is what had to happen. Uh, I don't think USC is going to be a 500 team in the Big Ten, but I don't know if you guys have any Well, I, I just think what Pedro is saying is if money didn't matter, you probably have a better chance to make the college football playoff from the Pac-12 if, like I said, you know, you weren't getting more money from one conference than the other, just the teams you're playing in the Pac-12 aren't as good as the Big Ten team. So maybe he's coming at it from that angle, but money is the biggest thing here, and the Big Ten will pay USC a lot more. It was a no-brainer to go there. They will still go there even without Mike Bowen. Obviously, that's that's all set in stone, and that's the right move because the future of college football, it's the Big Ten and the SEC, and if you can get in one of those conferences, that makes all the difference. I understand the question, though, but I think you got to look at it from more than just a football perspective. Yeah, I mean, look, I, it seems pretty clear there are no votes for Pedro um, <laughs> with, this, with this question, but, um, but, but I want to try to kind of line item it a little bit. I think, number one... It's no longer appropriate to call it the right move. It was the only move. It was a necessity. It was, it's not this – it's not a preference. It, it had to happen, I think, for the reasons that you just mentioned and for the reality that we're all just living in right now. Um, I think the, the cold weather thing – look, USC student-athletes are not going to enjoy going to Iowa and East Lansing and Piscataway, New Jersey – and Lincoln, Nebraska, and Champ. They, no, they're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be great, and it's not ideal. I don't think anyone would dispute that. But I think the notion that the USC football team is just going to be so paralyzed and addled by chilly football weather is is wrong. To be honest with you, I think you know. Number there, there's two things. For, number one, like. They're football players. They're a football team. They're going to be trained as a football team. They're going to come out. They're going to play cold weather games. They're going to be prepared to do it. Yeah, of course it matters. But I don't think it's going to be a, this thing where it just turns USC, who is churning, who is producing top five talent on the recruiting class, into a mid-level conference team. Um, first of all, if you pay attention to the Big Ten, it's not like it's 16 world-beating football programs. The other part of it is no one's talking about the flip side of that, which is all these farm, cold weather, Midwest teams popping out here in August and September to play 75, 80, 85 degree games. You know what I mean? I, I just think that stuff tends to balance out. I think people worry about, oh, the start times. Like I, th I think for every 9 a.m. game USC's got to go play, there's going to be a 10 p.m. Big Ten game yeah. that they've got to come play out here. So I think I wouldn't worry. I think that at the end of the day, it was necessary and and 
that's it. You, you had to do it. And I think it's going to work out fine for them. And there'll be less concern. I know a lot of USC people didn't want like an Oregon to come with them to the Big Ten, sort of leave them behind, withering on the vine, so to speak. But, um, you know, if you had six West Coast teams, now it's like, okay, so you're fine. And the same, yeah, like like RJ said. And, they, you know, when they were talking, like, oh, you're going to go to Minnesota in November. Minnesota would rather be in Los Angeles in November, and USC would rather be in Minnesota in September. So I, I feel like that's just what they do with Notre Dame. You're going to work it out so you're not doing, like, back-to-back road trips to, you know, super, you know, upper Midwest in November time frame. Uh, so they're, they're going to try to work that out a little bit. But, Pedro, I know I wouldn't worry too much. The one thing I will oh. add, though, just to, to your point, it's not even like it's a West Coast team thing. If you've noticed this year, you know, the Big Ten's rolling out their NBC Saturday night football thing. And I think one of their marquee, I think it might be Penn State, Michigan State, but they've moved one of those games indoors. Yeah. To the Detroit Lions yeah, Ford Field. home stadium. Yeah. So there's a lot of wiggle room and it shouldn't, the whole stereotype of like, oh my God, we're these warm Westerners and we just can't pot. West coast people aren't the only ones who don't really want to be in the cold. Turns out people in the cold don't want to be in the cold either. So yeah, they, I, I think they had a thing in their TV contract against, or it was like a handshake. Like they weren't going to do night games in November, you know, and now they're getting night games in there because of the big, you know, billion dollar a year TV contract. And then some of the schools are like, Hey, we're not supposed to play night games in there. Well, you're going to get a billion dollar contract. Like you're going to play some night games in November, which, you know, would you rather do that in Los Angeles or would you rather do that in uh, Minneapolis or, or Madison, Wisconsin? So, uh, all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, Tamale Tom, where's the homie Chris Trevino? Is he a fall camp holdout? So we we've you know Chris is going to be involved in shows. We're we're working out the schedule now. Instant analysis. We got Connor here. We got RJ that's going to be in studio and stuff. So um, you know when shotguns in town. So it's going to rotate. Um, but Chris, the plan going forward, podcast wise, is Connor and I will be doing a regular podcast, kind of like Chris and I were doing before, like Keely and I and Dan and I were doing before. Um, Chris is going to do. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but we can announce it now. He's going to get back and do a Helium Voice podcast with Shotgun. So that'll be a non-live version. So Connor and I will still do a live one on YouTube. And then Chris's very popular uh, two-star, you know, Composite Two-Star Recruits podcast with Gerard Martinez will continue on as well. So Chris is still around, um, but we got more people to put on shows. So, and Connor is a willing participant. When RJ's around, he's a willing participant. So uh, that's why we did this one. It's like the USC wide receiver room. We're pretty deep. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's got to sort out. He's got to sort out the depth chart. Sort out the reps. Only one ball. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we got a lot of shows, so we can do a whole bunch of people uh, at a time. But Chris will be on a bunch of stuff. Uh, Blackie, J- uh, Blackie Chan, uh, from what you have seen, who has been the biggest surprise from the freshmen or the transfers? There's so many. I got to think about that. It's a lot. I mean, we mentioned Jacoby Lane up at the top, right? So that's. You want to talk about surprises with, you know, we we saw the awesome catch that Zach Branch had earlier. I'll put it up again for you guys. But, the, you know, he's well known, right? And uh, everybody knows what he can do. You didn't hear much about Jacoby Lane. So the fact that multiple players were talking about him, he'd probably have to be one of the surprises. Yeah, and I think the transfer portal, they recruited the portal looking for impact guys to come in and play immediately. So I can't really say I'm surprised by 
any of those guys just on USC's approach to the portal. I'm going to steal an RJ answer from earlier. I think it has to be Christian Pierce. And we talked about the recruiting rankings and how that can lead to you having a perception of a guy before he even gets on the practice field or plays in any games, fair or not fair. And with Pierce, he's overperformed his recruiting ranking, I think, so far. Outperformed is probably the right word. Um, he, he's looked great. He had a great spring game, and he keeps his name keeps being mentioned, and we're not asking about it. So you mentioned names uh, being unsolicited coming out. I, I, I think uh, just the fact that he's been so good and people are talking about him without reporters asking about him is huge. He's probably my biggest surprise, and he's a guy who I, I'm really excited about. I think he has a very bright future. Yeah, and since you stole my answer, <laughs> I'm not going to give one. So what let's about, just go what to about, the. I let's just go, no, it, it's fine. I'm just saying, like we're we're, we're moving at tempo here now. <laughs> that's the that's the thing, right? We're supposed to these these questions are supposed to be like. We're okay out there. We're you know, we're about an hour in. We're fine. We'll we'll wrap it up pretty soon. We got. A I think Quentin Joiner too would be my other one. The fact that he's able to come in, and I think he has a real chance to be that third down back for USC this year. He's another one who surprised me. The maybe like overall. Like we heard about him more in the spring, so I don't know if he's surprised in the fall, but Jamil Muhammad, where if you were like, oh, the the guy's coming out on the defense, like who's going to, you know, the, is this dude from Georgia State that used to play quarterback, is he going to be like really good? It's like, yep, he's really good. Uh, so he's probably one of the surprises too, I'd say. Uh, okay, next question on our YouTube channel uh, is from Nicholas. Uh, I want you to have a watch party for a specific road game. Can you make this happen? I've been following you for close to 20 years. Uh, so, uh, I assume he's talking about Los Angeles watch party. I think we've done stuff like this before. Uh, I've been traveling to most of the road games, so it's not like I can do that. Plus I'm working the game. So it's, it's kind of difficult. We could probably organize something on the peristyle, but it would be hard for staff members to go. Cause during the games, you know, hours before hours afterwards, we're all, uh, working. So I, that's why it makes it a little more difficult uh, to do that. Uh, but I love it. I love the idea we've done road game um, sort of meetup parties. And we'll definitely do that going into uh, the Big Ten. We'll have some like, you know, Friday night road game stuff. But that's I think it's a little different than what you're asking. But um, yeah, that's from uh, Jorge. Puts a question up. Uh, recruiting falling apart. Yeah, USC got up to number five, I think. And I think now down to number 13. There was a huge flurry in June. Had to decommit since then. Um but yeah, any thoughts on where USC stands recruiting right now? Uh, I mean, I think you can remove the question mark, to okay. be honest <laughs> with you. I think there's going to be fluctuation. And I think it's also important to remember there's the pure high school recruiting, but there's also the transfer portal recruiting. And so it's this weird space that we're in now where we're kind of evaluating things in a different way. If you look at USC's class right now, they are – 16, 16 hard commits. And is there an NL? Yeah. 16 high schoolers committed. And they're even now they're the number 13 class. If you look at the teams ranked above them, you're seeing a lot of 20 commit, 22, yeah. 23 commit. When you're talking about quality versus quantity, if USC maintains its pace in terms of qual quality, they're going to be just fine in terms of the end rankings, but there's going to be a lot of up and down now with the way that all this works and all this happens from now till December. Yeah. yeah I, I think the, the big concern, if you want to call it a concern is that all the uncommitted five-star and high four-star guys out there, who is really USC in the race for at this point, 
Could a really good season from the Trojans lead to some flips in the future? I think that's absolutely in play. But just looking at everything at face value, I don't really think they're in the mix for very many more upcoming four- and five-star guys. I think the hope down the line is that a good season leads to some flips. So if that concerns the fan base, I understand. I think with the transfer portal, USC has shown how good of a job they can do with the transfer portal. I know that gets fans upset, too. We we you know we want the high school recruits. That That's the most important. I think with the transfer portal, if you do underperform a little bit in high school recruiting, you can more than make up for that in the transfer portal. And then we'll see years down the road if that's an effective strategy. Because I think for this year, I, I do like the depth of the class. They don't really have that number one, like a Malachi Nelson, a Zach Branch, that top overall guy who, who the fans get really excited about. And I don't know how many of those guys are still out there left to be recruited. I think for the most part, that's done. So you're going to have to rely on the flips. Just overall, I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned with the portal or with the high school recruiting because the portal is an option and Lincoln Riley does such a good job with that. Yeah. You, I mean, you got some quality guys there, like, a, you know, it could be a high average star ranking, but like Connor said, there isn't that superstar. Um, you don't have the, the five-star quarterback or whatever, but it's a good, you know, you, you need to kind of, you know, re, you're retooling the roster a number of different ways. You look at the offensive line completely different than it was a couple of years ago. There was a whole bunch of guys that couldn't really play. Now there's a young, a bunch of young guys that'll play in the future. And I think you're putting guys in, you know, depth on the depth chart. Maybe you don't see them play this year. Not everyone's going to be a Zachariah Branch, but there's also going to be some Christian Pierces that you thought would just come in and be a depth guy. And they're like, wow, that guy can play too. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. But like Connor said, you have a really good season. You make the playoff. You're probably going to get some guys to flip too. But you get a good base uh, that most of the guys are all quality. And then um, you could add to that through the portal and everything else. I am a little nervous about the linebacker recruitment right now, missing on Kingston, Viliamu Asa. There's a world where Mason Cobb is gone, Shane Lee is gone, and maybe someone else you don't expect is gone via the transfer portal or whatever, and then you have to replace a bunch of guys. So if that if I had to pick one position that I was a little bit weary about, it would probably be linebacker. And this week we saw USC, they kind of put their tail between their legs and offered a bunch of new guys in the 2024 class after missing out on some of their top targets. All right. Uh, from John, who's going to fill uh, Kyle Ford's shoes this year? Oh, Interesting question. I Especially think, what were his shoes? Like, because he didn't, he so, was like on and off kind of guy. I love Kyle Ford. But here's, like, here's what I'll go with, because he's a big guy. Who's the throw the ball up contested catch guy? And I guess I'd have to start with Dorian Singer. I think Pro Football Focus tracks contested catches, and Dorian Singer had not only a high amount, but he had a high catch rate on contested balls. I think... If USC's got to go to a play like that, or if the play just ends up developing that way, I think that's the guy. I guess that'd be the closest thing I would say to uh, who's who's going to be Kyle Ford. You know, it, Kyle Ford's a tough one, I think, just because it's not like he didn't perform when given the opportunities. I just think that there is a finite amount of opportunities, you know, and it uh, it didn't work out. But you know, Kyle Ford's going to get his chance at the uh, at the end of the year and. And someone on USC will. I, but I think, like, as far as the role he played, I think you look at Dorian Singer. Also, Deuce Robinson, yeah. you know, as a guy where, like, okay, if we just need to throw the ball up, who's going to come down with it? I like his chances. And then the, uh, the guy that we already mentioned, Jacoby Lane. Like, 
there's there there's depth. I, I think Kyle Ford Kyle Ford's a tougher loss than than most people maybe want to acknowledge just because he was really good in the locker room and he was a good player. He made plays for USC. But there are a lot of guys in there who can who can step up and, and hopefully mitigate his loss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's uh, – I mean, I think probably like Lane or, um, you know, Deuce Robinson, just because you're going to probably see them in flashes for games and then not really do much in other games, where I think Singer's you – know, as long as he's healthy, you're going to see him producing just week in and week out. So it'll probably be those other two guys – that you would say, um, and if you go back to like Drake London, like he was a contested catch guy. So you kind of need one of those. And sometimes they, they erase a lot of your, especially when USC had a terrible offense, you basically threw it up to anywhere Drake London was, and then he would catch it. And that was like kind of your offense. You don't really need that now, but it's nice to have if Caleb Williams is in trouble and he can just throw it up to someone he trusts, um, boom, uh, you would go up and make that catch. One last one. And we'll let you guys go. Nicholas, how does the current team so far, in your eyes, compare to Hilton, Sark, Kiffin, et cetera? So maybe like, maybe, I guess he's talking about the pre-Lincoln-Riley era, post-Pete post Carroll, pre-Lincoln-Riley, what are the teams? I mean, to me, the biggest difference, I mean, USC always had talent. This team's more talented than most of those, but it's it's really about the coaching. It's really about not just, you know, having a very competent head coach, but an offense that you know there's a, a high level of competency, that you're scheming guys open. I just haven't seen that that much. Kiffin and Sark, they've had some really good, you know, good offenses, but I think when they were running the team and running the offense, it just didn't seem to quite work. Uh, it does now, obviously, with Lincoln Riley. And uh, so, yeah, that to me, that would be the biggest difference. There's talent. You know, there's NFL guys on all those teams. But, you know, this team might be more talented, but I would say on the coaching side is where it would be stronger. But any thoughts you guys have? I would just say the substance of this team strikes me as something that separates itself from a lot of those other teams that from those eras. You know, I think there's been a long perception in the recent history of USC that honestly, as talented as they are, if you punch them in the face enough times, they're not going to punch back. And I don't get that feeling about this team. And we didn't see that from the team last year. You know, they didn't lose to Utah because they weren't willing to compete with Utah or fight with Utah. You know, when, when you look at that Pac-12 championship game, the spirit was willing. The flesh was not. They were just too beat up. They were on a string of three consecutive grueling games, you know, but it wasn't. I don't feel like USC laid down, lie down, laid down. I don't feel like they fell over like other teams we've seen, other talented USC teams. You know, I think there is there are indications right now that this team has a character and a substance to it that would strongly distinguish it from the Sark and Kiffin teams. Yeah. Yeah, I just think they have the best coach since Pete Carroll. And I know Sark is at Texas and Lane Kiffin's at Ole Miss and Helton's still coaching, too. But looking just at what. Lincoln Riley was able to do how he can elevate guys, especially on offense. I mean, there's a reason that the last Heisman winner before Caleb was Matt Leinart, and so long and it was so long ago is because I don't know if you had the coach at USC who was able to elevate guys to to put them in a position to win an award like that and be the best that they can be. And I think with Lincoln Riley, you have that, especially on offense. Are there questions defensively? Absolutely, but that's sort of the biggest difference that I see. Lincoln Riley is just different when it comes to coaching offense. Yeah, uh, Blessing Break says Kiffin and Stark recruited very well. They definitely did, and uh, 
You definitely argue that Lincoln Riley is as well. It's a different era recruiting right now because the portal is such a big part of it. You're seeing Lane Kiffin hit the portal hard. Uh, I know Sark's used it too. You got to use it. Um, and I, you know, I feel like for where USC was, if Lincoln Riley's here for three, four years, they make the playoff a couple of times, make a run in a championship and all that, start doing well in the Big Ten. I think you're going to see recruiting, you know, the high school recruiting be, you know, the, high, the super high level again because USC has all the potential in the world to do that. Uh, but I think for the turnaround, like the portal had to be a bigger part of it just to get the bodies in now. So uh, we will see. But it's a definitely different game than when they were coaching at USC, too. And those both those coaches have learned a lot. And I think both have gone through the Nick Saban training program. And rehab. I think that's helped them both, you know, the Nick Saban rehab. Uh, all right. I think we're going to wrap things up. Uh, we got to do a little pose. I think we should do like a grab our beard thing. You guys want to do that before we... Uh, <laughs> So, so well, I don't know if want is the word, but okay, so we're, we're willing. Look if, at the camera, us- beard. Nice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that'll be our screenshot for sure. Uh, let's go wrap things up. Uh, RG Abadia, Connor Morissette, I'm Ryan Abraham. Don't forget, 75% off over at uscfootball.com annual membership. Don't miss it. The best sale we have all year. And heading into the season, couldn't be a better time to jump on board. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 